Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be learning about the collaborations of the Grimm Brothers. Children's and Household Tales Background The rise of Romanticism Romantic nationalism and trends in valuing popular culture in the early 19th century revived interest in fairy tales, which had declined since their late 17th century peak. Johann Karl August Musaus published a popular collection of tales called Volksmarchen der Deutschen between 1782 and 1787. The Grimms aided the revival with their folktale collection, built on the conviction that a national identity could be found in popular culture and with the common folk, Volk. They collected and published their tales as a reflection of German cultural identity. In the first collection, though, they included Charles Perrault's tales, published in Paris in 1697 and written for the literary salons of an aristocratic French audience, Scholar Lindy Jean says that Perrault created a myth that his tales came from the common people and reflected existing folklore to justify including them, even though many of them were original. The brothers were directly influenced by Brentano and von Arnim, who edited and adapted the folk songs of Des Schneben Wunderhorn, the boy's magic horn or cornucopia. They began the collection with the purpose of creating a scholarly treatise of traditional stories, and of preserving the stories as they had been handed from generation to generation, a practice that was threatened by increased industrialization. Maria Tatar, professor of German studies at Harvard University, explains that it is precisely the handing from generation to generation and the genesis and the oral tradition that gives folktales an important mutability. Versions of tales differ from region to region picking up bits and pieces of local culture and lore, drawing a turn of phrase from a song or another story, and fleshing out characters with features taken from the audience witnessing their performance. However, as Tatar explains, the Grimm's appropriated stories as being uniquely German, such as Little Red Riding Hood which had existed in many versions and regions throughout Europe, because they believed that such stories were reflections on Germanic culture. Furthermore, the brothers saw fragments of old religions and faiths reflected in the stories, which they thought continued to exist and survive through the telling of stories. Methodology When Jacob returned to Marburg from Paris in 1806, their friend Brentano sought the brothers' help in adding to his collection of folktales, at which time the brothers began to gather tales in an organized fashion. 
By 1810, they had produced a manuscript collection of several dozen tales, written after inviting storytellers to their home and transcribing what they heard. These tales were heavily modified in transcription. Many had roots in previously written sources. At Brentano's request, they printed and sent him copies of the 53 tales that they collected for inclusion in his third volume of Des Neben Wunderhorn. Brentano either ignored or forgot about the tales, leaving the copies in a church in Ausgrenz where they were found in 1920 and became known as the Olenberg Manuscript. It is the earliest extant version of the Grimm's collection and has become a valuable source to scholars studying the development of the Grimm's collection from the time of its inception. The manuscript was published in 1927 and again in 1975. The brothers gained a reputation for collecting tales from peasants, although many tales came from middle-class or aristocratic acquaintances. Wilhelm's wife, Henrietta Dorothea, Dorchen Wilde, and her family, with their nursery maid, told the brothers some of the more well-known tales, such as Hansel and Gretel and Sleeping Beauty. Wilhelm collected some tales after befriending August von Hachthausen, whom he visited in 1811 in Westphalia, where he heard stories from von Hachthausen's circle of friends. Several of the storytellers are of Huguenot ancestry, telling tales of French origin, such as those told to the Grimm's by Marie Hasterflug, an educated woman of French Huguenot ancestry. And it is probable that these informants were familiar with Perrault's Histoires aux Contes du Temps Passé, stories from pastimes. Other tales were collected from Dorothea Viamen, the wife of a middle-class tailor and also of French descent. Despite her middle-class background, in the first English translation, she was characterized as a peasant and given the name Gamer Gretel. At least one tale, Gewetter Todd, Grim Reaper, was provided by composer Wilhelmine Schwitzerzel, with whom Wilhelm had a lengthy correspondence. According to scholars such as Ruth Bodingheimer and Maria Tatar, some of the tales probably originated in written form during the medieval period, with writers such as Straparola and Boccaccio but were modified in the 17th century and again rewritten by the Grimm's. Moreover, Tatar writes that the brothers' goal of preserving and shaping the tales as something uniquely German at a time of French occupation was a form of intellectual resistance, and in so doing, they established a methodology for collecting and preserving folklore that set the model followed later by writers throughout Europe during periods of occupation. Writing from 1807 onwards, the brothers added to the collection. Jacob established the framework, maintained through many iterations from 1815 until his death. Wilhelm assumed sole responsibility for editing and rewriting the tales. He made the tales stylistically similar, added dialogue, removed pieces that might distract from a rustic tone, improved the plots, and incorporated psychological motifs. Ronald Murray writes in The Owl, The Raven, and The Dove that the brothers, and in particular Wilhelm, also added religious and spiritual motifs to the tales. He believes that Wilhelm gleaned bits from old Germanic faiths, Norse mythology, Roman and Greek mythology, and biblical stories that he reshaped. Over the years, Wilhelm worked extensively on the prose. He expanded and added detail to the stories to the point that many of them grew to twice the length that they were in the earliest published editions. In the later editions, Wilhelm polished the language to make it more enticing to a bourgeois audience, 
eliminated sexual elements, and added Christian elements. After 1819, he began writing original tales for children. Children were not initially considered the primary audience, and adding didactic elements to the existing tales. Some changes were made in light of unfavorable reviews, particularly from those who objected that not all the tales were suitable for children because of scenes of violence and sexuality. He worked to modify plots for many of the stories. For example, Rapunzel in the first edition of Kinder und Haschmarchen clearly shows a sexual relationship between the prince and the girl in the tower, which he edited out in subsequent editions. Tatar writes that morals were added. In the second edition, a king's regret was added to the scene in which the wife is to be burned at the stake, and often the characters in the tale were amended to appear more German. Every fairy, fee, Prince, prince, and princess, princessin, all words of French origin, were transformed into a more Teutonic-sounding enchantress, Zaberin, or wise woman, wise frau, king's son, kong's son, king's daughter, konig's doctor. Themes and Analysis The Grimm's legacy contains legends, novellas, and folk stories, the vast majority of which were not intended as children's tales. Von Arman was concerned about the content of some of the tales, such as those that showed children being eaten, and suggested adding a subtitle to warn parents of the content. Instead, the brothers added an introduction with cautionary advice that parents steer children toward age-appropriate stories. Despite von Arman's unease, none of the tales were eliminated from the collection in the brothers' belief that all the tales were of value and reflected inherent cultural qualities— Furthermore, the stories were didactic in nature at a time when discipline relied on fear. According to scholar Linda Digg, who explains that tales such as Little Red Riding Hood and Hansel and Gretel were written as warning tales for children. The stories in Kinder und Hausmarchen include scenes of violence that have since been sanitized. For example, in the Grimm's original version of Snow White, the queen is little Snow White's mother, not her stepmother. Yet, even so, she orders her huntsman to kill Snow White, her biological daughter, and bring home the child's lungs and liver so that she can eat them. The story ends with the queen dancing at Snow White's wedding, wearing a pair of red-hot iron shoes that kill her. Another story, the goose girl has a servant being stripped naked and pushed into a barrel, studded with sharp nails, pointing inwards and then rolled down the street— The Grimm's version of The Frog Prince describes the princess throwing the frog against a wall instead of kissing him. To some extent, the cruelty and violence may have been a reflection of medieval culture, from which the tales originated, such as scenes of witches burning as described in The Six Swans. Tales with a spinning motif are broadly represented in the collection. In her essay, Tale Spinners Submerged Voices in Grimm's Fairy Tales, children's literature scholar Bodingheimer explains that these stories reflect the degree to which spinning was crucial in the life of women in the 19th century and earlier. Spinning, and particularly the spinning of flax, was commonly performed in the home by women. Many stories begin by describing the occupation of their main character, as in, there once was a miller, yet spinning is never mentioned as an occupation. This appears to be because the brothers did not consider it to be an occupation. Instead, spinning was a communal activity, frequently performed in Spin's Tube, spinning room, a place where women most likely kept the oral traditions alive by telling stories while engaged in tedious work. 
In the stories, a woman's personality is often represented by her attitude towards spinning. A wise woman might be a spinster, and Bodingheimer explains that the spindle was the symbol of diligent, well-ordered womanhood. In some stories, such as Rumpelstiltskin, spinning is associated with a threat. In others, spinning might be avoided by a character who's either too lazy or not accustomed to spinning because of her high social status. The tales were also criticized for being insufficiently German, which influenced the tales that the brothers included and their use of language. Scholars such as Heinz Rolick, however, say that the stories are an accurate depiction of German culture, showing rustic simplicity and sexual modesty. German culture is deeply rooted in the forest, walled, a dark, dangerous place to be avoided, most particularly the old forests with large oak trees. And yet, a place where Little Red Riding Hood's mother sent her daughter to deliver food to her grandmother's house. Some critics, such as Alastair Hawk, used Jungian analysis to say that the deaths of the brother's father and grandfather are the reason for the Grimm's tendency to idealize and excuse fathers, as well as the predominance of female villains in the tales, such as the wicked stepmother and stepsisters in Cinderella. But this disregards the fact that they were collectors, not authors of the tales. Another possible influence is found in stories such as The Twelve Brothers, which mirrors the brothers' family structure of several brothers facing and overcoming opposition. Autobiographical elements exist in some of the tales, and according to Zipes, the work may have been a quest to replace the family life lost after their father died. The collection includes 41 tales about siblings, which Zipes says are representative of Jacob and Wilhelm. Many of the sibling stories follow a simple plot, where the characters lose a home, work industriously at a specific task, and in the end find a new home. Additions Between 1812 and 1864, Kinder und Hausmarchen was published 17 times, seven of the large edition, and ten of the small edition. The large editions contained all the tales collected to date, extensive annotations and scholarly notes written by the brothers. The small edition had only 50 tales and were intended for children. Emil Grimm, Jacob and Wilhelm's younger brother, illustrated the small editions, adding Christian symbolism to the drawings, such as depicting Cinderella's mother as an angel, and adding a Bible to the bedside table of Little Red Riding Hood's grandmother. The first volume was published in 1812 with 86 folktales, and a second volume with 70 additional tales was published late in 1814, dated 1815 on the title page. Together, the two volumes and their 156 tales are considered the first of the annotated large editions. A second expanded edition with 170 tales was published in 1819, followed in 1822 by a volume of scholarly commentary and annotations. Five more large editions were published in 1837, 1840, 1843, 1850, and 1857. The seventh and final edition of 1857 contained 211 tales, 200 numbered folk tales, and 11 legends. In Germany, Kinder und Hausmarchen, commonly Grimm's Fairy Tales in English, was also released in a popular poster-sized Bilderbogen, broadsides, format, and in single-story formats for the most popular tales, such as Hansel and Gretel. The stories were often added to collections by other authors, 
Without respect to copyright, as the tales became a focus of interest for children's book illustrators, with well-known artists such as Arthur Rackham, Walter Crane, and Edmund Dulac illustrating the tales. Another popular edition that sold well, released in the mid-19th century, included elaborate etchings by George Cruikshank. Upon the deaths of the brothers, the copyright went to Hermann Grimm, Wilhelm's son, who continued the practice of printing the volumes in expensive and complete editions. However, after 1893, when copyright lapsed, various publishers began to print the stories in many formats and editions. In the 21st century, Kinder und Hausmarchen is a universally recognized text. Jacob and Wilhelm's collection of stories has been translated to more than 160 languages. 120 different editions of the text are available for sale in the U.S. alone. Philology While at the University of Marburg, the brothers came to see culture as tied to language and regarded the purest cultural expression in the grammar of a language— They moved away from Brentano's practice and that of the other Romanticists, who frequently changed original oral styles of folktale to a more literary style, which the brothers considered artificial. They thought that the style of the people, the Volk, reflected a natural and divinely inspired poetry, naturposi, as opposed to the kunstposi, art poetry, which they saw as artificially constructed. As literary historians and scholars, they delved into the origins of stories and attempted to retrieve them from the oral tradition, without loss of the original traits of oral language. The brothers strongly believed that the dream of national unity and independence relied on a full knowledge of the cultural past that was reflected in folklore. They worked to discover and crystallize a kind of germaness in the stories that they collected— in the belief that folklore contained kernels of mythologies and legends, crucial to understanding the essence of German culture. In examining culture from a philological point of view, they sought to establish connections between German law, culture, and local beliefs. The Grimms considered the tales to have origins in traditional Germanic folklore, which they thought had been contaminated by later literary tradition. In the shift from the oral tradition to the printed book, Tales were translated from regional dialects to standard German. Over the course of the many modifications and revisions, however, the Grimms sought to reintroduce regionalisms, dialects, and Low German to the tales, to reintroduce the language of the original form of the oral tale. As early as 1812, they published Die beiden Alsterzinnen duschen gisch aus dem Akten Jargnuteter, das Leid von Hildebrod und und Hildebrod und das Wannenbrocken Gabet, the two oldest German poems of the 8th century, the Song of Hildebrand and Hadebrand and the Wessebrunn Prayer. The Song of Hildebrand and Hadebrand is a 9th century German heroic song, while the Wessebrunn Prayer is the earliest known German heroic song. Between 1816 and 1818, the brothers published a two-volume work titled Duchsagen, German Legends, consisting of 585 German legends. Jacob undertook most of the work of collecting and editing the legends, which he organized according to region and historical, ancient legends, and were about real people or events. The brothers minted as a scholarly work, yet the historical legends were often taken from secondary sources, interpreted, modified, and rewritten, resulting in works that were regarded as trademarks. 
Some scholars criticize the Grimm's methodology in collecting and rewriting the legends. Yet, conceptually, they set an example for legend collections that was followed by others throughout Europe. Unlike the collection of folktales, Deutsch Stegen sold poorly. But Zeipp says that the collection, translated to French and Danish in the 19th century, but not to English until 1981, is a vital source for folklorists and critics alike. Less well-known in the English-speaking world is the Grimm's pioneering scholarly work on a German dictionary, the Deutsches Wörterbuch, which they began in 1838. Not until 1852 did they begin publishing the dictionary in installments. The work on the dictionary was not finished in their lifetimes, because in it they gave a history and analysis of each word. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today, while we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website biteatatimebooks.com for the links for our show.